0: So, welcome. I pronounce your name Tony.
1: Hi. Hi. Nice Nice to meet you and thank you so much for having me.
0: No worries. I'm Natasha from Diversity in Blockchain and this is our Chain Chat series. And what we do is we ask each guest to leave a question for the next guest. It doesn't have to be remotely related to blockchain. Most of them have been, but the one for you is not. and also, you can start thinking about what question you might like to ask at the end as well. But the question for you is: uh, What would be your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> <laughs> My cat just went. Actually,
1: <laughs> maybe nothing of uh, nothing else matter by Metallica. Ah, uh-huh,
0: good choice. Maybe. Yeah, I and love that you, song. Would you call yourself a singer or not?
1: Hi of. Um I just studied music for maybe 12 years. And okay. um, so certainly I, I know something. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, I'm not a singer, not at all. <laughs> I can sing and I know how to pitch. And uh if I, I'm not in tune, I, I I know it because I can listen it. But uh-huh. I don't I don't consider myself a. Uh, a vocal play or something all
0: right so we won't ask for a for a sample now then no <laughs> save that one for another and day. nothing
1: else I
0: <laughs> oh not bad not bad <laughs> a for effort definitely um all right then so tell me a bit about yourself what is your interest in uh blockchain web three all of that
1: awesome thank you so much for asking that i was born in Venezuela and as you may know um Venezuela is a very interesting case scenario from the economical standpoint. Um, And also a lot of people take as a reference of catastrophic events when it comes to economics, Venezuela, you know, because a lot of things are not right in my country. Uh, So very early in my life, I realized that the government can, because I was born in, 1994. So I was born in in a breakthrough in our history. So I leave the transition of kind of capitalistic model to a more communist model. So I remember being my my freedom being constrained sequentially. So growing up, um, it was very obvious that uh a technology that enables freedoms or at least can be a counter proposal for systems um is something important to have and i remember for example having the possibility to um going to us uh exchanging freely the local currency for dollars and then traveling around and then sequentially you start losing all of those freedoms so People start using blockchain technology as, for example, a a later example in Argentina. And today, like one decade later, uh, South America became like top users of blockchain technology, not because of early adopter gigs, but out of necessity. So that was my case. For me, blockchain technology has been uh, a game changer because... I know the value it has to enable a non-sense source system or alternative to mm-hmm. the status quo, kind of, or the more regulated fiat system. So for me, blockchain makes sense because it enables freedom. And for me, there is a sine non relationship between true blockchain core values and freedom. And for me, um d- blockchain it is important as freedom is important. Um mm-hmm. so and also for me it has many other different meanings. Um I can go even deeper, but uh, that is kind of the <laughs> spike the of the idea. No,
0: good. I'm super interested as well. I studied um some different Spanish modules at at university and one of them was the the politics Mm -hmm. in in Latin America and just recently reading news as well about Venezuela where uh, I think due to corruption correct me if I'm wrong on any of this by the way but due to the corruption and people not being able to access you know basic things and their own money in bank accounts it makes sense that they would opt for you know using cryptocurrencies for example where it's decentralized I think it's a a massive benefit if you can't solve the, the problem at source then you know it's a, a way around it at the moment until until those problems are you know sorted out basically at a political level but yeah it's quite a, a a challenging situation right that the that Venezuela's in at least at the moment absolutely
1: the problem with local currencies in the scenario of hyper devaluation is that you, when you are in a state of hyper devaluation, the fluctuation of the price of Bitcoin is kind of a, a much better case scenario rather than having the local currency in your bank. So we are talking a scenario that few people have lived through history, I believe, and <laughs> that's something good, I think. In the morning, something has a price, and in the noon, you have another price.
0: So, so are you, we
1: are talking about.
0: No, sorry. I was, are you saying mm-hmm. then that the, the fluctuations in value of cryptocurrency is less stark or less Absolutely. noticeable than the local yes. fluctuations? Wow. Uh, that's I mean, quite something.
1: Cryptocurrency fluctuates in such a way that it can go up and down you don't have a stable point but with the local currency in a hyper devaluation the trend is always downward so right. <laughs> you know yeah,
0: okay.
1: it's better to have something that fluctuates yeah. rather than some, something that just go down yeah so cryptocurrency solve um, I mean for South America cryptocurrency has been a very important case scenario because solve different issues mm-hmm. first of all um depending on the protocol you can argue uh bitcoin is not centralized or this protocol is more centralized than the other one and that is more kind of a technical conversation but just talking overall like um taking into account the core values of the blockchain uh bitcoin white paper first paragraph a peer-to-peer network without the need of a central party or an issuer. So that solve very key and critical issues. First of all, when you live in a country like Venezuela or a lot of other countries in the region, first of all, you can have the issue that you cannot access to your money because for some reason um, you can't use it. Can use your money. If you go to the bank and you want to withdraw your money, you have to explain why you want to withdraw your money, or you have limits. Uh, you can exchange it freely. You can use your local currency to buy dollars or another external currency. If you want to protect yourself to devaluation, you you have to overcome a lot of uh, imposed hurdles and limitations for the system um you can send your money usually when you have a broken country a lot of people a lot of your relative um go outside to other countries they move around and they want to send you money so it is hard for them to send you money so crypto allows you to have um at, at least an option against devaluation instead of devaluation that is just a clear trend going down you have a fluctuation that is better than devaluation. The then you can exchange it. Uh, if you have crypto, you can sell it. And for example, I remember I don't know ten years ago using local Bitcoin. Uh, local Bitcoin is a platform where it's like a peer-to-peer um, platform where you can sell your Bitcoin and receive cash uh, or you have many other options to to exchange uh, your crypto and have fiat money in many different ways so it was very convenient and also the problem of sending money around from country to country so that so for that reason crypto solved multiple issues for broken countries and venezuela obviously one of them
0: would you say then from the point of view of diversity that that mm-hmm. crypto has enabled more people to have access to financial services at least in Venezuela or in other Latin American countries or how, do you have any other insights on how this might have helped you know diversify the space um diversity
1: I, I try to always think and analyze the world through a programmer point of view, like uh I don't know, like <laughs> like an engineer. So I, I, I like to be precise and for example, uh, if we try to define diversity, it's almost impossible to be objective and we enter in a subjective thing. What is what I, I believe, and obviously. Um, I'm not saying I have the truth, I have my version or my perception of the world. What we can say is many blockchain protocols are permissionless. So whoever have access to internet can download a wallet and interact with protocols that are impossible to censor and are equal in front of every single um, wallet. Mm -hmm. For example, if you interact with a uh, Dapp, every single wallet interact with the same contract. And there is no way to make a preference of one after another. And if it does it, um, we know it because the code is open. It is deployed in, in, in the blockchain and every single person can actually read the code. And if for some reason it's not fair, people stop using it mm-hmm. or someone else will fork it and create a better version. So in, in that sense, uh, I think we have 100% diversity because every single person... I, I think the issue with or the antithesis of diversity is censorship, is when you discriminate people and you define who is who can access to a certain set of benefits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But blockchain technology... Uh, by the protocol itself, but is designed in such a way that every single person interact with open code protocols uh, in the same way.
0: No, it's really um, explained it really well.
1: So I, I think by design is, yeah, by default is um, diverse, obviously.
0: Okay. Tell a, me a more. A guy about-
1: working in Lagos. Yeah. You know in Lagos a, a lot of people like 70% of the people there um use blockchain technology.
0: Okay.
1: In Nigeria? Uh, but
0: cryptocurrency from... specifically or or other applications?
1: Nigeria is a very interesting case of scenario. Um people that work with me at the agency they, they are from Nigeria so I I have had the opportunity to work oh, yes. with them um I... Actually, the government tried to um to ban crypto but the adoption is so high that they, they are not able to it's too late okay. actually they they make it a law it's like they made it illegal that people don't care <laughs> so yes. we we are living in a very interesting uh, period of time because at the end of the day uh the status quo is a common illusion is is a meta reality we choose to create it's like mm-hmm. the currencies have value because the person who is receiving the note believe it has value mm-hmm. but it's a paper so we understand the underlying value because we believe someone else will accept it and that other person believes someone else will accept it but for example if you have a case scenario like Nigeria where every single person agree cryptocurrency has value. I don't care if the government say otherwise because I know my friend will accept it. And if I go I, if I go and try to buy something, someone else will accept it. So once the government lose the coercion power, I think we are like <laughs> in a transition and that is not something new. That that is something beautiful about studying history, we we have been traveling around different power models based on, on eras. We once were like nomads, and then we tried to organize as uh, feudal societies, and then we had kingdoms, and now we create countries, and now we have multiple alliances like the European Union on different configurations among countries, but all of them has been like power configurations to adapt to a certain period and certain needs. So I truly believe that now we are moving to a different configuration. And in every single stage in history, the transition happened in such a way that the previous the previous version of power always opposed. And I think we will, eventually receive or see uh, a clear attack to crypto because right now the world structure is designed in such a way that the currency the the person or the institutions the people that issue the currency has an immense amount of leverage over the other people so um we have big institution, Vanguard, BlackRock, the Fed, um, Mm -hmm. and they basically set the rules of the game. But if now people don't want to play that game uh, and people start, you know, using another system and people start migrating the system, at some point, if they have the power, they will try to stop it. And at least the, I, I, I believe the adoption is not high enough that is an existential threat, and they will try to stop it at some point. For example, when um, there is a kingdom and you have a tiny feudal system, then the kingdom try to absorb uh, the, the tiny town that has like a feudal structure. So it's like, no, now you have a king. What? I don't have any king. This is my, this is my territory. No, no, no. Now you have a king and you have to pay taxes. No, I, I will not pay taxes. So you know, always has been like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or for example, the the local Americans. The other guys came around. Hey, uh, now this is not your land. What? I have been living here forever. No, that is not your land anymore. So obviously. Friction among different versions of power has been always there, and I truly believe uh, crypto has not been um, an existential threat to the system at the point that ha- that the system tried to destroy it directly. I think that will happen soon. I don't know when, but hmm. crypto is in, in the right in the right time frame is an existential threat for the status quo of the system right now.
0: You've and that's my personal. No, no, I think you've explained mm, the whole concept super eloquently. Like, I think I, for me, there are things that it all it all sounds exactly how I understand it, but I don't think I would be able to explain it as well as you have. So, thank you for that. What is your what is your current profession then? What's your current involvement in blockchain?
1: Hmm. Well. Those are different questions with different answers. I okay. studied at college. I I First, I studied music for like 12 years. Mm-hmm. So I made kind of a career as a musician. But my parents, both of them, they met at college studying economics, economical sciences. So the, both of them are, um, are economics since I was a child. I just started reading economics literature at age four, I think, mm-hmm. because my mommy was... um working from the, for the Bank of the Nation so they have like kit literature um, and I remember having four years old and talking with my mother about money yeah and actually we had uh, because I, I have been very intense I had in my mind this like how to say it it's when you have like a a worm inside of your head that you can't move. It's like who
0: who creates the money? An itch. I think you
1: can say an itch. I had this like itch. itch. Or urge
0: maybe.
1: Absolutely. Because we design our life around money. It's like Mm -hmm. we live where we live. We have the friends we have the experiences we have, the food we eat, the education we access, everything because of money. Mm -hmm. If you have more money, all your life, all your whole ecosystem change. If you have less money, all your ecosystem change. It's like your whole reality is calibrated based on the amount of money you can access and deploy. So money is a very core important thing. And I, I understood it uh, since I was a child, and I said, who creates money, and what is money? I, I always wanted to understand what is money. Money is not the number, money is not the paper, money is a, is a deeper concept, so I wanted to understand it, and once you start studying it, and you start studying, oh, the Medici family. The, the first guys printing the, the notes and how it distribu- distributed how the fractional banking system run the whole structure how you use it um to incentivize people to move in certain ways how you use to 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 shape the society so to be long story short study economics at college okay but then i uh, because i wanted to understand the world i never wanted to be uh to have the degree i just wanted to understand it so i studied economics and, and political sciences both degrees at the same time and then i soon realized that what i wanted was not at college and i had a very intense couple of years reading a lot of uh, literature by myself and actually one of the few students in the history of the university hitting like 100% score in, in, in different um uh subjects uh at college but then i, I quit college and I tried to pursue a business and <laughs> mm-hmm. um so it, it has been kind of eclectic and in the blockchain space now i help different yeah but basically i help projects to have user acquisition from the marketing perspective user acquisition to to crypto projects Mm -hmm. um but for me it's not about marketing for me it's about helping to change the world with the knowledge i have and the expertise i have so um for a while after i quit college i tried to pursue a business, a very specific business model. I don't want to say the, the whole story, but basically I I designed a business model because I I joined to a uh, extra career program in the university. So we designed a very interesting business model that I wanted to, it was kind of an, an startup. It's not uh, something that existed. And I failed, but I learned a lot in the, in the in that process. And then uh, I said, okay, I want to to start my my venture as an an entrepreneur and bootstrap this brand on. And maybe I want to uh, at at some point I will be able to to have a very interesting uh, project or whatever. I didn't have the deal as clear, but um, I just wanted to do something to change the world, or you know. Mm-hmm. W- you are when you're naive and you're idealistic you, you just want <laughs> you have a feeling and then you you shape that feeling into concrete steps that you figure it out along the way mm-hmm. so um coetus is the name of my agency and actually it's based on uh um latin word coetus uh, coetus is basically the team of artists that craft the statues the statues uh, how to say that Yeah, statues. statues. Exactly. So, um, yeah, now, I started offering just content creation services for different niches. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I said, okay, what if I use this knowledge to help projects that actually have resonance in the values? Because it's like when you help a brand to sell more soaps or to sell t shirts to an e com is like, okay, it's nice. We are making some money. But what if we use the same tools uh, and our expertise to help projects that, that are changing the world and are enabling freedom? But mm-hmm. Not to help them. So we basically reshape our whole agency uh, to serve the, the crypto space
0: cool there are a lot, a lot of um a lot of protocols and a lot of projects that are making a difference in the world can you think of any that stick out for you mm.
1: if you read it's very hard i think time is the josh because mm-hmm. if you read the white papers you have amazing ideas And many of the cool white papers and cool projects are kind of a copy-paste of a previous one. They made a a tiny change. And right now, we are in a very immature industry. And the thing, uh, when I said that I I have a very eclectic journey, I I also am a web developer. And not a top developer. I'm a decent one. And I did it for Hobby, but I actually went through a couple of boot camps. So I understand very well the status of the blockchain industry as a whole as what it is, without I'm kind of a fanatic and I love it, but also you understand where we are. So when you you study the stack of technologies you need to design systems, you understand that you have the database layer that's where you store the data and then you have the different protocols that enables to create a user interface right now the blockchain industry is the very early stages of the that the the database layer Mm is the very fundamental layer of this new stack so all these new blockchain new projects metaverse stuff no it's 95% ninety five percent of the web to a stack, the same technologies, same front technologies, HTTP protocols, is the same structure just with the connection of a database. and it's, in most of the cases scenarios, you have most of the data in a in a web to data of you know that have been there forever in a MongoDB uh, database or Postgres database, whatever, where you have all the user data. And and then you have a tiny section that is deployed into the the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And the reality is most blockchains don't have the capability to, to be used at a mass scale.
0: Yeah, to support heavy loads of data, are we saying? Exactly when it comes to
1: the how fast you can make individual transactions and much more the um, the data itself, like how big the files are. Mm-hmm. So we are in the very, very, very early stages. So we have a lot of people with huge ideals, but we don't have the technical capability to match those ideals with mm-hmm. the blockchain technology. So we have very interesting people. um Vitalik Buterin, for example, uh, obviously Charles Hoskinson. Um, yeah, but all of them have an ideal rather than something concrete at hand. You know, it's like they yeah. are building it.
0: And I, I think I agree If I if I'm understanding correctly as well. Like at the moment, the, this, this bottom layer, if you like, this data layer is still in its early stages. And then on top of that, we have like the whole user interface thing, which is quite tech focused. So for somebody coming into anything new, they don't understand the concepts of it, much less the technology behind it, you know? So I feel like there's a gap that needs to be bridged there, at least from, you know, from my limited knowledge, as I always say. But yeah, there's a lot to do now still. Everything. Yeah. The
1: blockchain technology, some people say, oh, I'm late in crypto. Crypto, <laughs> crypto I, I don't know if it is a baby. It's like a fetus. It's not even a baby because a baby breathes by itself is a whole being. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So if we say we have if we establish the Web2 is a bean, what is a being? Well, a bean has one head, the lungs, mm-hmm. the heart, a brain. It's like a whole being. Okay, we don't have a new whole being. We just have maybe the heart yeah. of a new being. But this information. Because the soul. We, it's, the it's, soul, it's, soul so- is
0: there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly the soul. And sometimes the soul is corrupted because... Uh, at least from the ideological standpoint i feel some level of resonance with charles hoskinson if you read the first paragraph of the uh btc the the bitcoin white paper it established very wisely i don't know who satoshi is some people say they know who he is he's a genius i'm not I, i'm not just talking about the technical Uh, standpoint that obviously the system is genius, but also the clarity when it comes to the philosophical ideas. Mm -hmm. A peer-to-peer system with an issuer is so, so simple, but extremely simple that people don't understand how powerful it is. Because most um, new and faster and better blockchain protocols compromise those fundamentals. If you have a more effective, a faster, a, a faster protocol that is not decentralized. And you, you know, is the whole point versus having a commodity versus a security. If you have a team of developers that they have in their hands the future of the protocol and they are the only ones who can deploy the new code and they are the ones who can fork the new system and create a new version. I love Ethereum, but they were not able to create a system for both enough and they have been forking it. So if there is a centralization of power, man, that is something different. You are not doing it in the way it was described in the first paragraph Mm -hmm. of the bitcoin white paper it's not decentralized it is centralized and they promise okay we will build it in such a way that in the future in the future will be decentralized and now we have these DAOs. let me tell you something right now at this point in history we don't have any single decentralized autonomous organizations DAOs are just a share uh, box of recommendations. Uh-huh. are not decentralized uh, autonomous organizations.
0: <laughs> would you we say don't have
1: decentralized of- autonomous organizations.
0: Because of the, the distribution of power and the influence of certain power. Because maybe you can say everybody in a DAO has an equal say, but there are always going to be people who have something of value. To be able to influence and thus mm, leverage more power, maybe. I don't know, I've not looked into it enough, but you're making me think, so that's good.
1: <laughs> From the technical standpoint, it's extremely complex. Hmm. And I, I truly believe we have good actors and they want to create and develop these protocols, but we are doing it. We are figuring it out. So at the end of the day, um, we don't have the baby. <laughs> we are trying to put the business together. So also we, we, for example, I had these exp- this personal experience. I trusted um, Duocon and Terra Protocol. For me, it was very interesting. I thought they were good actors. Obviously, the 20% in, in these um anchor protocol was not sustainable but i thought they were they will at, at some point uh, decrease it and make it more sustainable in the time but everything disappear and you know the terra luna project basically collapse and so we have very interesting people in the space uh, i truly believe a lot of them want to do the things in the right way but we are trying to restructure the the technological ecosystem in the world and that's very very challenging so um going back sorry for giving these long answers i trying to <laughs> talking about do i believe we have good actors yes will i recommend any project it's very hard mm-hmm. um
0: What about where you, where Mm -hmm. do you go for your information when you, I I mean, I'm assuming we are all learning new things every day, right? Because it's still Mm -hmm. so new. Where do you go for for your information? I know that's very general and vague, but. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. For people who are listening and want to learn more about blockchain in general, where do they go? I think. Here is the issue. People is
1: a fan of dopamine. People love dopamine and easy answers. But the reality is the world is quite complex. And you you can't dump down the world to your understanding. So the reality itself is quite complex. So to understand how blockchain disrupts society, you have to understand society in the first place. So, we have to go to the very fundamentals. It's like we have to understand where we are in history. It's like we have to understand history. And if we want to understand the philosophical implications, we have to have some sort of basic understanding of philosophy. So, going through the, the, you know, uh, to the basic literature is like go to Plato and read Republic, go to Thomas Hobbes and read Leviathan. Go to George Orwell and read *84*. Uh, 1984.
0: <laughs> Nobody has ever given me the answer to that question. <laughs> it was like YouTube, Twitter, which is yeah. great. and But of course, yeah. I think no. I'm quite on <laughs> your wavelength is... with the whole philosophical <laughs> point of view. And it's nah, sad. It's but
1: uh, when you have a long because it's very hard to understand where we are now if you don't have a good understanding. It's like you have Google Maps, okay? So if you go, if you zoom enough and you have this city, you know where it is in the big picture. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and you say, okay, here we are. Here is the continents. Here we have these countries. And then, okay, here we are in this city. You have a very context. So it's like, oh, okay. We have this new technology. Um, Why this is different to the previous technology? Oh, I don't know. It's very hard to understand the web three if you don't understand the web two. Mm -hmm. So how the web two, it is uh, created. It's like how it is, uh, which are the ports? Okay, this is a basic stack. We have the database, we have the user interface, we have these protocols. Okay, and what is money? How it is created? Uh, why blockchain is disruptive? Oh, because it doesn't have an issuer, it doesn't ha- it doesn't require like a central party. Okay, do we have any point of reference in history about this? No, we don't. Mm-hmm. And why this is important. If we go back to Platos and Socrates talking about the ideal society, they were talking about a virtuous man called citizen. That is not the same definition we have right now. If you go back 2,400 years ago and you read the definition of a citizen, it's a very different definition. Because a a citizen back then was someone who understood his role with virtue and he had the responsibility to understand society and to use his power in the wisest way possible. So we have these stoic people trying to solve complex issues of the police in the highest standard possible. And they were the ones who were able to deploy um, their power in the best way possible. Okay, these are the citizens. And they were saying that the ideal societies were all the citizens were able to come to consensus to define um, the protocols of the police. But obviously we had they had a constraint, a technical constraint, and they had to create an structure where where people had to delegate their power, but that is a degradation of the ideal for the, the the right structure. So they create this idea of um uh the republic, and they said it republic is like the degradation that is viable because the technical constraint but the interesting thing is if you go to the same conclusions uh, conclusions plato and socrates had now we have different technical capabilities and with the right in the right time frame with the blockchain technology philosophy we can build the system where we can go back to the same ideas plato and socrates had and we can create a system where we don't have, we can all be equal in front of the code, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know? Nice.
0: Nicely explained again. We can
1: all be equal in front of the code for first time because we are not equal in front of the law because the law is subjective. So the law is not equal and we know law is not applied equally.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Applied, it is written equally, but it's not applied equally. But the code is executed equally by the nodes. So Uh we can say now the code is executed equally by the nodes. So we can go back and reframe the same uh, ideals and render them into a very different um, reality because we have now the technical capabilities or, or we eventually will have. So once you have this big picture, You can understand new things with the perspective of all wisdom. And that's powerful.
0: Well done. Really well explained again. (laughs) I'm going to ask you to leave a question for our next guest because I normally keep these to half an hour, but I am honestly completely on your wavelength with (laughs) everything you've been talking about. I really like (laughs) tackling things from a more philosophical point of view, for sure. Um. But yeah, time-wise, uh, would you leave me a question for the next
1: guest? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I just want to know, uh, the next guest to share with us, because I certainly want to to listen to that question, uh-huh. the, the answer, sorry. What is the relationship between blockchain technology and freedom?
0: Okay. Again, I always write these down and I don't need to, but I'd like to have it... <laughs> <laughs> <blockchain and> freedom. <laughs> interesting yeah let's see how they uh how they tackle yeah. that one all right yeah. well thank you so much for coming on it's been really 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 interesting for me i'm sure i will be keeping up with uh all the stuff that you're doing online and hopefully we can have another chat My one pleasure. day it would be good
1: absolutely, absolutely. All right.
0: Well, thank you so much uh, My pleasure. And pleasure we'll chat soon
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.